0: For years, there was this symbol of how San Francisco was changing, adapting to the tech industry and its army of workers, the Google bus. Google's buses were shiny white with double-decker seating.
1: Yeah, with like, you know, kind of darkened windows. You couldn't really see in. Rachel Levin lives in San Francisco. And they'd pick up in different neighborhoods around the city so people could live in the city where they wanted to, as opposed to, you know, down in Mountain View and Sunnyvale, which was suburban and not much going on other than the tech campuses.
0: Rachel was doing the same commute as all these tech workers. And like a lot of San Francisco residents, she eyed these
1: buses with just a bit of jealousy. And I had to drive myself every day, and it took an hour and a half, and it was the worst. And I would see the Google bus just leave my neighborhood, and I'm like, can I get on that? (laughs) I want to get on that bus. It
0: wasn't just the bus that made people roll their eyes. The influx of techies drove up rent in the city. Some people worried these folks were changing the character of the place. For them, tech industry workers became the bad guys.
1: And then the pandemic hit. And the city was quiet. I mean, it was, I loved it. I had never really driven down Lombard Street. You know, this that super famous curvy the twisty street. twisty, Yeah, that's super touristy. And my kids, one day we were just sitting in our house and I think we weren't supposed to leave our neighborhood, but I was like, let's go see Lombard Street. And we drove there and parked and ran down it. <laughs> it was <laughs> like, you know, that you'd never be able to do that, you know, in normal times.
0: Did you get the sense people were leaving? Like, leaving, leaving? Um, yeah. Rachel's a journalist, so watching her city suddenly transform led to a new question. Where were all
1: these people going? I mean, people obviously were vacating and people were going to quieter places with, you know, people were, um, oh, I'm gonna go take, I have a house in Tahoe, I'm going there with my kids and we're gonna do school up there.
0: Today on the show... What happened when Rachel set out to find her missing neighbors and asked how they were getting along with the new folks next door? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. There's no question that COVID's resulted in a migration of sorts, for all kinds of people, for all kinds of reasons. The Pew Research Center found that one in 20 Americans moved because of the pandemic, many of them for financial reasons. And the pace of moving, it only picked up as 2020 turned into 2021. What Rachel documented was a little different from all that. It was a privileged exodus from California's cities to its mountains and lakes. She found techies in San Francisco were often ending up a few hours away in Lake Tahoe. Tahoe's a gorgeous place. You can ski there in the winter, swim in the summer. And last summer, as COVID seemed to be on the wane, it was hard
1: to keep the tourists out. Like, people were so excited to go somewhere, and it was summer, and so people just invaded, got in their cars, and just headed to the mountains. The locals described the situation using colorful language. A shit show is what the word used, the uh, many people used.
0: Yeah, you introduced this one local named Josh Lease. How did he respond when this influx just sort of descended on the town?
1: Yeah. He said he was blown away. He said he's pretty normally an even killed guy, but he was just enraged at suddenly like just, you know, Tahoe's always been used to traffic and the locals who live there are used to traffic, especially in the summer. But he said what we weren't used to was the trash. And it was the the place, like his lake, his like, little, his, like secret hideouts at the beach and just the sand and the just trash. Like literally he was saying there were like Capri Sun straws and water bottles and busted flip-flops and just like.
0: Well, at some point, didn't he pick up like a a dirty diaper. And he's like, what is this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was like, I picked his, he's like, I picked up a dirty diaper and I said, is this anybody's? (laughs) Oh my God. And, you know, he was just, and, and he'd lived there for 20 years and, um, he'd just never seen it. People come with such disrespect, um, for the place that is this beautiful place that's supposed to be nature and natural and wilderness and, and pristine, you know, and, um, just looking at six packs of you know, big gulps and burrito wrappers everywhere was just bumming him out. So he went home and decided to, th- um, vent it on Facebook and decided to post saying, like, let's throw an unwelcoming party. And he was kind of joking, but uh, people around the lake kind of rallied and, and were into that idea.
0: <laughs> A popular spot to cool down during the heat wave was always, uh, you know, Tahoe. Let's give the tourists the cold shoulder this time around. Some in the Tahoe area going so far as to hold several protests. Asking people to stay away. Then you see the sign, go back home. You might say- yeah, you described this flyer that I think kind of encapsulates how the community felt, where it was a kid in a gas mask. Can you describe it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it became sort of like this, the image of the rallies that they were um, hosting, the roundabout rally, which was around the f- main towns, around the lake Um the locals were gathering on that Friday afternoon to sort of welcome the weekenders. Quote, unquote, the welcome.
0: Is Now bringing out people here to this Myers roundabout in droves, the spot that tourists pass through to get into town. They're leaving their trash everywhere. They're leaving dirty diapers. They're
1: leaving. So there was this poster someone designed when Josh Lease um, proposed the idea. Um, and it was a kid wearing a gas mask and like Teva's. And it just said, like, I think, stay out of Tahoe. Um and the gas mask was obviously you know a nod to COVID like <laughs> don't bring your don't bring your virus here um or your trash I mean I think they were it just showed the sentiment from a lot of locals but then a lot of locals too were you know tell me now we're also embarrassed at how people were being unwelcoming because it is a tourist town like the most of the community they exist because of of vacationers and a lot of the you know don't bite the hand that feeds you is also um. You know, people were, you don't want to not welcome tourists. You need the tourists up there, but you just want them to behave differently. <laughs> it was hard for me to tell,
0: looking at the folks, whether they were coalescing around one thing. I mean, they wanted the people to not come, but the reasons why were kind of different. Like, some people were clearly concerned for their safety. You know, you saw that sign with the kid with the gas mask. And some people were had signs that said something like, your entitlement sucks, which is a different kind of complaint. Yes, yes, you're
1: right. I mean, some were like, "Go back to the bay." Don't. Some were saying, "Don't trash Tahoe," and then some said, "Your entitlement." Yeah, take your entitlement with you. You know, the story that I wrote is about um, Zoomtown and the tech workers and the money that's coming in and the housing prices. And but this set the, this set the tone because these were outsiders that maybe are, are a separate set. It's not necessarily the same people that were. Um, buying up the homes, but they were coming and and, and the locals were protesting at all. Like the, their, the um, people coming, worry about their or whether they were worried about COVID, whether they were worried about, you know, their beach being destroyed, you know, they were just didn't like the fancy cars coming in. So I think they were just, you know, decrying it all.
0: <laughs> so at first, these protests, they were about tourists who were clogging up the Tahoe area. And it was this kind of mixture of COVID fears and culture clash. But then the tourists seemed to stick around. Like you cite these real estate numbers that were just mind-blowing. That, you know, one local real estate concern was saying, you know, the number of sales had shot up, I think 50%. But also the amount of money being spent had like doubled or quadrupled. Like it it had just gone up a huge amount. And we're talking like over a hundred million dollars in sales in one month in 2020.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, normally houses will sit for a little while. Um, They were just going like, like 24 hours. Like, you know, they're like, if you don't have cash, you don't even bother. (laughs) Don't even, if you're not going to make your decision right within this day, don't even bother. I mean, all told in 2020, I think, you know, um, they have about, you know, almost 2,400 homes um, that sold collectively for three point something billion dollars. Um, whereas in 2019, they'd had um, like $1.7 billion of sales. So it was like that much, <laughs> that many more billions of dollars. So inventory was way down. Demand was way up. People were knocking on people's doors saying like, multiple people told me that people would get a knock on a door and someone would offer um, them $2 million for their house. Um, and this was stuff that had gone on in San Francisco, in the city. It just had never gone on. um In Tahoe. It's easy to talk
0: about this as like Bay Area techies come into a rural area and act entitled. But you have this moment where you complicate it a little bit and you talk about how there are elements of race and ethnicity involved in this too. You spoke to a woman named Grace, who's Korean American and did come back to Tahoe where she already had a home and and spent time there during the pandemic. What was her experience?
1: yeah, I mean, she'd had a long time second home. and so she'd only used it on weekends and things like that. She never kind of lived there, lived there. And she went up um right when they lifted the um restrictions against second homeowners. You know, her kids were homeschooled and she's you know, she's like, let's go live in our in our house. And so she they went up there and she just did not feel comfortable. She said it was, you know, it was early in the pandemic, and she'd be at Safeway and you know, people would fake sneeze on her and, you know, on the local Facebook groups, they were, um, she just was like the Kung flu comments were going and she just, you know, she just felt uncomfortable and felt, um, she didn't feel safe there and she didn't feel like it was the happy place that she'd always thought it was for her. So, um, they came back to the city. She's like, I want to, I needed to be with my people, you know, even though she was just going to come back to her house in the city and maybe go to the grocery store once a week. You know, she just wanted to be around a more diverse community. And she says the influx of new people, she sees a difference in the community a little bit. Like it's, you know, and it feels better.
0: After the break, White Tahoe's wave of gentrification might be short-lived. When Rachel started to focus on COVID migration, a Tahoe town she wanted to visit in particular was Truckee. It's a little removed from the lake itself, the kind of place where the people who work in Tahoe, restaurant people and ski people, could settle down, well, before the folks from Silicon Valley started to move in. Truckee is where Rachel met Deb Lee and her husband Spencer. Their story reveals one of the real costs of resort towns remaking themselves as what some people are calling... Zoom towns.
1: So Deb Lee and her husband Spencer were from New England. Um, they were I think almost 60 and they moved to Truckee um, in 2014 to be closer to their daughter who had moved there after college and decided to settle there and she is a general manager of a um, local restaurant and brewery there and they wanted to move to the west coast to be near her, be near their daughter and their older son came with them and they um, moved out and rented a house like a 1970s cabin near North Star. I think they were paying less than 3,000 a month. Um, and they had a three year lease with an option to buy when they moved in. Um, hmm. And then they thought, well, you know, the place has been rented for 25 years. They're never gonna sell it. but if they did, maybe we'll get to buy it. Who knows? And so then you know, but they um, they got jobs in the community and like became a part of it and fell in love. Um, with the place. And then they came home one day after a walk in August and there was a eviction notice on their door telling them to get out. And they had, you know, all their belongings, um, storage units everywhere were within 50 miles, were, were wait lists long. And, you know, they they had nowhere to go um, with all their things. And every Airbnb was booked, every house was rented, or and if it wasn't, it was too expensive. And they did not have the, the house was going to sell for more than they could ever afford. So, um Deb just said she cried every day. I mean, she was amino compromised and hadn't worked. Um, she was a caterer. Um, and she just felt so, um, they were so despondent and just feeling like they had really fell in love with this community and felt like it'd become home. And now they were, had nowhere to go. And she's like, we're not younger. We can't just go move to Reno. We can't just go pick up and go, you know, we want to be with our family. Um, but then they lucked out and they, you know, she just said she pounded at every door and um, called everyone she knew, and they, she posted kind of a plea on a local Facebook group, and a man with this tiny cabin wanted to help a local and came to their rescue. So they got really lucky.
0: Is there evidence that there are people being driven out of the town or even finding themselves unhoused because of what's going on?
1: A company I spoke to, uh, this guy named Colin um, Froelich and his wife Kai, had. Um, he had made a ton of money at Lyft, I believe, he had been like one of the early employees at Lyft and he lives in Truckee and he and his wife started a company called Landing Locals, which basically is trying to match um, second, third homeowners whose homes would otherwise be empty and don't want to deal with Airbnb with the churn and the hassles of that and rent to locals and invest back in the community. Um, and so it's a really good idea, I think, and I think there it's hard to implement. I mean, there was a house through an apartment through Landing Locals that was renting for $1,600, which was a good deal. The And it had 100 inquiries to Landing Locals.
0: So people are hungry for these houses.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And the Lees tried to go through Landing Locals to help find a place, and they couldn't be helped, you know. And they're upstanding individuals who have um, some money to pay rent, and they just there was no inventory. So I think it's just really, really tight.
0: In some ways, the story of what's happening there is like the story of gentrification anywhere, But it's interesting because it's kind of different characters than usual. Like I live in Brooklyn. The story of gentrification here is a bunch of white people with a lot of money moving into black communities and driving them out. This is a story of gentrification that is a bunch of rich white people moving into a a place where it's people who are not as rich white people. And so it's this kind of interesting (laughs) dynamic that's really different than the gentrification story I'm used to.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not like Tahoe and Truckee was like a poor town that got, it it wasn't, It's you know, that's getting like pushed out. It's just sort of like it had, it had its way of life that's getting pushed out and it had um, affordable housing that's getting pushed out. But it it, it remains to be seen whether the the character of the towns will change. You know, you don't want to go to a mountain town and see everyone like pecking away at their laptops. Like that's not why you're there. (laughs) That's not why people go.
0: I I kind of wonder what you ended up thinking at the end of reporting this story, because you did so much work and research into nailing down who was coming into these communities and what exactly was happening. But for someone who's not in California and just sort of thinking about the end of this pandemic, what did you end up thinking about what this community says about the way communities are going to be changed in the wake of COVID?
1: I mean, I think that's the real worry. I mean, the people who are already there are really worried. I mean, this one guy, um, Matt Chapel said, you know, people used to hug. And obviously before COVID, <laughs> people would be walk down the street and people would stop and give you a hug. And he's worried that, you know, we're gonna lose that small town connection and we're gonna lose sort of the civility and the in the community and kind of the love that binds these towns, um, that binds a place like like Tahoe. Um you know, I also though, I also was thinking like, I'm just curious too, are these people who are buying all the homes, are they gonna stay? I mean, I, I'm still, it remains to be seen whether they wanna stay. You know, I talked to a top Google executive who, you know, she's she moved into her second home with her family and she was just on nonstop Zooms all day back to back. And she said, you know, this isn't why I, I bought this house to sit inside on my screen all day. This isn't and she, I don't like it, <laughs> you know, and so she's excited to go back to Sunnyvale um, as soon as her office opens. And so, I, I mean, I think some people will leave and then that'll be its own issue because what's going to happen to these homes are going to be, you know, Empty, but I, but I do think now, I think the people who are moving there are, ha- are most, for the most part, so happy to be there and want to be part of the community and want to, you know, are there ultimately for the same reasons that the longtime locals are there. I mean, people don't move to these towns in gorgeous mountain areas if they don't like the outdoors. Um, you know, whether they get to actually play in them because they're working all the time, it's another thing. But I think, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, everyone is there um, for the same reason. And I think maybe in a way the, you know, the ski towns, the mountain towns maybe can survive this better than, than you'd think because they have that bond, the bond of, you know, the outdoors that maybe ultimately there's common ground there for everyone if they can just all afford to live there and happily coexist. <laughs> Big if. Yeah, yeah.
0: Rachel Levin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's been fun to chat. Rachel Levin is a journalist based in San Francisco. And that is our show. What Next is produced by Carmel Del Shad, Mary Wilson, Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, and Davis Land. We're led by Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. For pictures of my dog, go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. And in the meantime, I'll catch you back in this feed tomorrow.